Thanks for joining us at First Baptist of Woodlawn. Our mission at Woodlawn is to grow, serve, and reach others together. Our vision at Woodlawn is to impact our regional communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ through small groups, corporate worship and missions, and evangelism. Now, today's sermon. What a joy it is to be back in the house of God on this uh, Sunday morning to be with you. Uh, somebody ordered some January weather, I believe. And uh, I, for one, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's here. Because uh, I don't want to pay for this in May. You know what I mean? It keeps staying warm and we'll pay for it later on. So I am very glad that finally cold weather is here. We'll, we'll get this winter over with so we can get into baseball weather. Amen? Amen. I'm ready for that. Well, it is an honor to be here with you today and The title of today's message is The Power of the Gospel. And I get very passionate when I start talking about the gospel, not only just the message of of salvation in Christ, which of course is the whole message of Scripture, but we're going to talk about the the power that the Word of God has for us, not only in in daily living, but for every aspect of of who we are in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand one more time as we honor God's Word and we read Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity once again to to bring a word from your word that will challenge us, that will encourage us. And Lord, I pray that I would be your messenger today. Empty me of myself, that the words that are heard would be the words from your, your throne, Lord, from your heart. And that each one of us, including me, Lord, would be changed by hearing this word today, having been in your presence and in your house today. Thank you, dear God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. According to author Malcolm Gladwell, it takes 10,000 hours to be skillful at any craft. And if you train, let's say if you train six hours a day, That's 1,666 days or four and a half years doing what it takes to become excellent or the best at what you do. And that's six hours a day every day. So let's be a little more realistic with it. Let's say three hours a day if you train doing what you love to do to be the best at it. You're talking about uh, over 3,200 days uh, and about nine years. And even for the greatest and most talented uh, musicians, artists, athletes, inborn talent, natural ability isn't always enough to achieve that, that highest level that they would normally achieve. So they have to immerse themselves in their craft every single day. And even though when we come to Christ for salvation through repentance, We're changed, right? We're changed in in a moment from death into life. But what that does, it sets us on the journey for the rest of our lives 
to be immersed in the word of God, to learn, to grow in wisdom, and to use uh, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, most effectively. And so that's why making disciples is so important to the church. And there are people who look at Scripture simply as, as words on a page or, or pretty poetry, and they pick and choose what they like, and then they'll, they'll slap it on Instagram or, or Facebook, and they'll make that their, their life verse. And, and that's kind of frustrating to me. Because I really don't think that's what God had in mind at the beginning of all time. John chapter 1, Derek, if you would please. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Word of God is power. All of creation was spoken into existence by the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. And according to Colossians, Colossians 1.17, Derek, again, if you will, Colossians 1.17, all of creation is held together in its rightful place by the Word of His power. All things. All things are held together in the universe by the Word of His power. It's frustrating to me because I know that there are those who call themselves Christians. I believe that they are saved. I'm not questioning their salvation. But they still seem to have a, a disregard for the word of God. Do you know anybody like that? It's frustrating to me. They don't place a priority on reading or studying God's word. And I believe the cares and the distractions of, of society have blurred the focus of so many people in the church today. And we have a hard time answering the questions about Scripture to the, the, the cynics of the world. We stumble over our words when we're challenged by something in, in Scripture. Why is that? It's because, by and large, God's people don't know Scripture. We need to immerse ourselves in God's Word. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that we discover or that you would rediscover the power and the wonder of the life-changing power of the Word of God. I love I love diving into the Word of God and being filled with wonder as I read it because it's more than just words on the page. The words on this page come to life because they're, they're God-breathed. And I can read the Word and just, and I can go to God and say, well, God, what does that mean? What does that mean? I want to know. So today what we're going to do is look at the power of the gospel and how it frees us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. The power of the gospel frees us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. And in our verse, in our, in our text today, verse 16, Paul uses what might be seen as a defensive, get my hair all the way here, 
He uses what might be seen as a a defensive statement. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And for Paul, it's, it's not a statement of defense, but it's a statement of anticipation. If somebody comes up to, to you and just says, you're chicken. Well, we, what's our tendency to say? Oh, I am not chicken. We get defensive. I don't think that anyone in Paul's audience that he's writing to is accusing him of being defensive. They're not accusing him of being ashamed of the gospel. What he is actually saying, by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, it's a declaration. He is actually saying, I will glory in the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. And Paul knew He knew that in just about all cases, in all situations, it was shameful for someone to identify with someone who had been killed by crucifixion. He knew that. Yet knowing this and knowing who he was in Christ and knowing what the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus meant for all of mankind, he wanted to make it abundantly clear, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God of God to salvation. In essence, he was saying, I'm not ashamed to be identified with this man who hung on the cross because it is because he hung on the cross and rose from the dead that I am transformed from what I was to what I am now and that I get to share with you this message because it is power. It is power for eternal life. So as he begins writing this letter to the Romans, something to take note of here is that he's not seen him yet. He's not been there yet. So he's writing this in anticipation to present and preach the gospel to them. It's a message that that he he owned. He was eager to preach this gospel to those who were in Rome because he had experienced firsthand this life-changing power of the gospel and he knew that the only way to god was was not by observing the 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 rules and the rituals in in which he grew up in he grew up uh, obeying and adhering to the law but he knew that the power of god the power of the gospel was freedom and that only by believing in Jesus as the Christ and the death on the cross and his resurrection brings forth the forgiveness of sins. So, with joy and anticipation to preach this good news, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is power. So what about you and me? Do we have the same passion Do we have the same passion and and urgency to tell those around us the good news of Jesus? And are we quick to say, I am not ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed of this word because it is this word that has changed me and it's the only thing that will change your life. So I'm not ashamed of this. So what does this power, what does this gospel, what does it provide? Well, we know that we're all sinners, right? If you have a problem admitting that you are a sinner, then we have another conversation to have. So we are all sinners. 
Either you're a lost sinner and you're bound by the law to pay your own penalty for your sin, or you are a sinner saved by grace with the penalty of sin paid for by Jesus and because of that, now in right standing with God. Right? When Jesus, when, when God sees his bride, I love this. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, but I love this. When God sees you and me in Christ, that's what he sees. He sees Christ. God doesn't see me in my sin because my sin has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. So God does not see me as the scoundrel that I am. He sees Jesus in me right now. We are the bride of Christ. Now, when I look at myself every day, I see the scoundrel. And I know that I need to stay aligned with the word of God so that my life can stay on the straight path. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. The price that Jesus paid on the cross, the price that he paid on the cross, that was yours and that was mine to pay. But that's mercy. That's the mercy of God in full display, not getting what we deserve. That's mercy. We deserve separation from God for all time. Because of his great love for us, he poured out his love through Jesus. And right now, we are seated in the heavenly places with God. Mm. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 6, Derek. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, uh, that's, that's one of the best two words in Scripture right there, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty good place to be, wouldn't you say? That's a pretty good place to be for, for a sinner saved by grace. And just like you, I mess up every day. Every day, I mess up. And I need to live in humility every day before God with every breath that I take. I don't need to ask for salvation every day. I hope that you don't get up and, and ask for salvation every day. For me, that was taken care of once and for all when I was 14. Thank God I've never looked back. But I still do things... I still do things in my flesh that infuriate me. Are you with me? You still do things in your flesh and like, oh, I don't like this stuff. And so I have, to be, I have to be reminded of who I am in Christ. In Romans 7, Paul says, I still do the things I hate and the very things I should do, I don't do. Now, if the Apostle Paul said that, that gives us pretty good company. So I repent before God every day because I still sin. 
repenting daily keeps me aligned with the gospel. And it keeps the power of sin from taking hold in my life. Daily repentance. I know nothing about cars. I'm so glad that I have a friend like Scott Mandrell who knows a lot about cars. I know nothing about cars, but I do know that with daily use and wear and tear, my car, it needs an alignment. Because if I don't, it veers to the right, it veers to the left. So I have to maintain my car. I have to make sure that I, that I take care of it. In the same way, I can easily veer off the straight path if I don't align myself daily with God's word to keep me on the straight path. So at salvation, the gospel frees me from the penalty of sin, right? And as an ongoing follower of Jesus, aligning with the gospel frees us from the power of sin that would cause me to veer off the path of holiness. There's a book that I read a few years ago. It's entitled, How the Gospel Brings You All the Way Home. It's written by Dr. Derek Thomas. And Dr. Thomas takes the book, or the chapter of Romans 8. This whole book is on the, book, is on the chapter of Romans 8. And he teaches us that the gospel not only is the power to save, but the gospel empowers us through the Holy Spirit to fulfill our calling in Christ day by day, and ultimately the gospel will usher us into glorious eternity into the presence of God. The power of the gospel sustains me every moment. And just like it does all of creation, the gospel holds all of creation together. By the word of his power, all creation is held together. And it also protects me from the power of sin in this life. Derek, again, if you will, Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Is that the day you're looking forward to? Me too. The power of the gospel will free us from the former things forever. I'm, I'm great, very grateful, very thankful that I live a, a pretty healthy life. But there are people not as fortunate that live their life with just constant pain. And they suffer day in and day out. That's a question so many of us would ask, God, why? Why do you allow this pain and this suffering? Is that a legitimate question? You bet it is. God's not afraid of our questions. In the book of 1 Peter, we read that our present suffering, that what we deal with presently, has no, it just doesn't compare with the glory that awaits us. So in our lives, as we live in this flesh, and as we, as we hurt, and as we struggle, and as we get into arguments with our spouse, and at work, and we just don't get along with people, and we have family we'd rather not be with, and, and sickness, and, and all this, it's just a momentary time 
Because the present suffering that we deal with pales completely to the glory that we will experience when we're with Jesus face to face forever. The world says glory now, right? Glory now. But in God's kingdom, it's upside down. It's, we suffer now. If you want to follow Christ, you're going to suffer. Jesus said, if you want to share in my, in my glory, then, then you have to suffer. If we have Christ as our example and his suffering on the cross, should we not take upon ourselves the sufferings of Christ as well? So maybe we should question a little less while we go through the things we do. It's okay. Like I said, God can handle it. But also that this life, oh, there's healing. Oh, there's wonderful healing. There's restoration. There's all wonderful things that happen by the power of God. But also when we don't see right away those things that we, that we pray for, when we're just ready to, to move on from the way I feel and this sickness and nothing seems to help, we continue to glorify God. We honor him. We praise him. Again, we have, we have, we have every apostle and disciple in scripture that suffered for the cause of Christ. So we today still in the, in the 21st century, right? In the, uh, in the 21st century, we, <laughs> oh, how old am I? Uh, we still should expect to suffer for the cause of Christ. And I hope that we can, because that's how we grow in our faith. We grow in our faith. James, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because it's the testing of your faith that develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. Why? So that we will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that is God's will for his people, that we be mature and complete in him. And that includes struggling and suffering in this life and bringing him honor until we see him face to face. Amen. Amen. We are contenders. You and I, we are contenders in this ring of life. We continuously battle to overcome sin. Does anybody else battle to overcome sin in, in your life? But when we cross over, it's the power of the gospel that will destroy the presence of sin forever. So the power of the gospel saves. The power of the gospel, it sanctifies, meaning that it continuously transforms us into the image of Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to be transformed in the image of Christ. Amen? And also, ultimately, the power of the gospel ushers us into the eternal presence of God. So is it any wonder to you that Paul was so excited about the gospel and the, and the power that it is to transform us from death to life? And I hope that you can say, that I can say with the same enthusiasm as Paul, that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who would believe. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I hope that you will dig into the gospel message to discover its power for living, and that you, that we, 
will fall in love with the gospel. That's my, that's my heart. That's my heart for, for myself on this journey as I live for Christ, that I fall in love with the gospel. My prayer for you as well, that as you journey on in your life, that the word of God is ever before you and it's a meal, it's, it's something that you crave and you desire and that you're falling in love with it more and more every day. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to know more about our relationship with Jesus or more about our church at Woodlawn, please contact us by email at info at fbcwoodlawn.org. Please join us again next week for another sermon from First Baptist of Woodlawn.